Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. and welcome into episode 11 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brendan Ricciardi. We've got a great episode coming at you today. We're going to break down the first two rounds of the Delco League playoffs and how we got to the semifinals. We will also be joined by Wayne outfielder and designated hitter Sean Mahalan, as well as Upper Derby Blue Sox relief pitcher Ben Thorpe, just to kind of give a look inside the head of their clubhouse and just see how things are going for them. They got to enjoy the nice bye week through the first two rounds of the playoffs, and they get set to start off their semifinals this afternoon. And they, they've they had a great season. For the second straight year, they are the one and the two seeds, so they have very much gotten to enjoy these bye weeks and just get to see how these teams unfold and how you know these teams have constructed their roster for something that you might not really be able to see much in the regular season when not everybody is able to get that full nine that they really like that they can now get in the postseason. So we'll break that down in a little bit. We'll start off here talking about how we got to where we are. So I believe I've had two episodes since this, but we'll start off the wild card game. Marple Newtown took down Chester by a score of 4-1. to one. That was Tuesday night. Bloomsburg's Alex Cornell threw a gem for Marple Newtown, and all five runs in that game were scored in the first inning. Marple got four on the top of the first. Chester got one on a solo homer in the bottom of the first. And that was all the scoring for that game. So Marple Newtown, with only two wins in the regular season, they get one in the wild card game and move on to the next round. And our other quarterfinal matchup that we'll start talking about here, we got Aston Valley's the five seed. They took on Narberth. They were the four seed. Almost identical records. I believe it was 10-13-1 for Aston Valley and 10-12-1 for Narberth. So, you know, it was, it was a really, really highly anticipated matchup to see who would prevail there. Game one, Narber took by a final score of 3-1. to one. Uh, Maculata and Bonner alum Chris Hyatt got the start on the mound for Narber, pitching on his home field at Monsignor Bonner High School, and he was sensational. He threw five innings, only allowed two hits. Uh, solo homer to Adam Tomer on Aston Valley, plays at Salisbury, and that was pretty much, you know, that, that was the key to this game. Aston Valley was not able to get anything going offensively, and Narberth. They, I mean, they only scored three runs, so it's not like they had an onslaught, but they played very clean defense. That left side of the infield with NYU shortstop Dak Barbet and Cabrini third baseman Pat Toll has just been rock solid. Pat made just a preposterous play that hit off third base. They, they were calling him Arenado in the dugout because he threw it you know, across his body right on the money to Michael Anderson at first base. Just really, really impressive. And Barbet made a play in the hole. That it, it ended up being an infield single, but just the fact that he was able to get there, make that throw on the run to first base was really impressive. 
and Norberth got some help. Dylan Can had a big game. He was 3-for-3, three three, had an RBI single in the first inning to drive in Tyler Kehoe. We also had Delaware State outfielder Fredo Mendez Jr. got the game-winning hit, an RBI single to right field. And we also had Pat Toll with a sack fly, and that was all the scoring. Again, early in the Duck League playoffs, pitching has prevailed, and it was a 3-1 to one win. And we'll stick with that series here just to wrap things up. Because it was a two-game series, and Narberth won both games by a score of 3-1. to one. The second game took place at Buggy Field, Sun Valley High School. Another great pitching matchup. Aston Valley's Chris Murphy, who just was dominant in the 2021 postseason for Aston Valley. He matched up with recent Marple Newtown graduate Jimmy Wygo. He's a tall lefty. He'll be going to Monmouth in the fall. And once again, man, it was a really good pitching matchup. And it came down to who would make the play, whether it was offensively, whether it was defensively. And Michael Anderson answered that question because we start off, let's go in chronological order just so I don't confuse myself here. Aston Valley got on the board first. Pencrest graduate and Elizabethtown commit Quentin Perilli. In the bottom of the second, he had an RBI single. Tyler Kehoe responded in a big way. Top of the third, the Carroll alum and South Alabama outfielder hit a moonshot to right field. I would, I would probably say no doubter. I think maybe it took him like a step or two, you know, before he uh, got into the bat flip and the trot to realize that he really got it. But, you know, off the bat, you could tell at the very least it was extra bases. His solo homer tied the ball game up at 1-1. And Chris Murphy and Jimmy Wygo were feeling themselves. Wygo ended up going five and two-thirds. That run was unearned because it was an error that allowed him to get on base in the first place. So five and two-thirds, only two hits allowed, no earned runs. He had seven strikeouts. Chris Murphy went all seven innings for Aston Valley. Now, I think the most impressive thing about Chris Murphy's performance was in 102 pitches, he threw 80 strikes. 80 strikes in 22 balls will get you a win most of the time. But Michael Anderson had something to say about that as the big moment of this game and the biggest moment of this series came in the top of the sixth when Anderson hopped all over a heater, sent it dead center over the Sun Valley sign on the fence in center field and made it a 3-1 to one ball game. And let me tell you, that Narberth dugout was fired up. We, we're probably going to talk about it on the show at some point in interviews we've talked about in the past. They play like a high school and college team, which is great for the league because you'll see a lot of the time, you know, teams don't really show that outward emotion and, you know, expression. Maybe, maybe not as much in the regular season as the playoffs, but the fact that, you know, they're always in on every pitch has is, is really been working for them. And Mike Anderson ended up on the day, he was one for three, but that two-run homer was the deciding factor in another three-to-one game. It was a three-to-one win for Narberth. Joe Ravert came on to get the final four outs in the game, and the Narberth Mudcats move to the semifinals for the first time since 2020. They lost in the first round to Springfield last year, so they're back where they belong. The two-time Delco League champions will head to Devon Prep tonight to take on Wayne, who is the one seed, and that will be a five-game series. I don't know for a fact the pitching matchups, but I believe for Wayne it's going to be Cam Mathis, who just graduated from Villanova and was a Marple Newtown grad. And if I had to guess, it'll probably be Michael Anderson, but I, I don't know for a fact. The Rhode Island-bound two-way player from Bonner, he's thrown the last two times we played them. I'm not sure if they are going to start off the series with throwing him for the third time, but you know I, I don't have the intel there, so I'm not quite sure. But... Narberth takes the series 2-0, and we'll switch on over to our other series here. We have the Springfield Colonials. They're the three-seed here, taking on Marple Newtown. That is the wild card winner. They started off 
you know, it was it was a series that I, I don't think anyone expected to be as close as it was through the first couple games. So we'll start off. Marple Newtown traveled to Church Road Park for the first game of this series. And the Springfield Colonials won this one by a final score of 5-3. to three. We had Shipley High School alum. He's a Haverford guy. Is Jared Sweeney. Had a big two-run single in this game. He's got one more year left at Lehigh. And that was the difference in this one. We also had Will Kelly, or Sinus. I believe he is just focusing on baseball now, but he went in as a football and baseball player. And he has just had an unbelievable season in the leadoff spot for Springfield. He had two hits. Also drove in a run and worked a walk. Garnet Valley catcher Reed Farrell will be heading to Penn. Also had two knocks on the day and an RBI. But this game got close, and it was it took to the bottom of the seventh inning when Colin Myers of Marple and Nick Sorelli of Marple both singled, uh, excuse me, Sorelli singled and Myers walked. So they had the, the go-ahead run on base and the tying run at first base, but they were able to get out of the jam. Kyle Calderero of Cardinal O'Hara, an alum of Cardinal O'Hara, got the save. And he also got the game two start. So Springfield taking that first game by a score of five to three. That put Marple Newtown on the brink of elimination. And they went back to Alex Cornell on the mound. Now Cornell threw 130 pitches on Tuesday. We're talking a Friday night game here. Kid said he wanted the ball and he was given the ball. And he threw a really good game again. In, in this game, facing elimination, he allowed only one run. Through seven innings, Marple Newtown with a big 5-1 to one win to keep this series alive. You know, the first three innings of this game, I swear it was a total of like a half hour. Kyle Calderero and Cornell, uh, an Archbishop Carroll alum himself, were just going. I believe there was one base runner for either team in the first three innings. But the bottom of the fourth came, and this game was at O'Hara because we're not even going to talk about the gauntlet center field uh, on this podcast because I don't really have many nice things to say about it but the bottom of the fourth inning came and that's when Marple really got themselves back in this series because they put up a four spot they started off there was an out to start the inning then you got CJ Casales with a base hit Colin Myers walked Nick Sorelli a Haverford High School guy who went to the University of the Sciences been probably their best hitter all season he delivered again with a base hit then you got Upper Darby High School coach or Sinus College alum Tom Carey with a base hit, and I believe they had four hits in a row, and they got uh, RBI from Jake Fallers. They got a bases-loaded walk from Alec Manzi after Haverford School's Cole Donnelly singled. It was a big inning, and again, that's been a theme in this postseason so far where runs are coming in bunches. I don't know if there's anything to that, if it's just kind of you know small sample size, whatever it may be, but Springfield was facing a big deficit here and and Steve Trainer the head coach of Springfield you know he he did what he could to get his team back in the game there was a play where Cole Palace so there's two strikes and Cole Palace from my angle I'll be honest it did look like he did swing but I don't know for a fact it was called originally a hit by pitch then uh Nick Decombe Marple Newtown head coach came out and argued the call they reversed it said it was strike three and then Steve Trainer got ejected from the game. You know, I personally think he was trying to get ejected just to get his team fired up because they did come out a little flat. They'll probably be the first one to tell you that they came out a little bit flat. But it, it did get the next, you know, two runners on base to uh, to kind of spark a little bit of a rally, but it was not enough here. Marple Newtown took this one by a final score of 5-1 to one to force the pivotal Game 3 Saturday afternoon at Church Road Park. And, you know, there's really not much to say about this game for being quite honest because Marple Newtown if you couldn't tell from them starting Alex Cornell 
twice in the span of four days that they were running out of pitching. Well, they started their outfielder, Blaze Ranton, and, and as expected, it did not go very well. Uh, I'm not going to you know publicly embarrass him here because he was just doing what he could to help the team out, but it was 10 nothing in the bottom of the second. A lot of walks, a lot of base hits. I believe that only one Springfield batter struck out the entire game, and I just like... As a fan of the league itself, you know, I, I just wish there was more pitching available. I know it's tough with guys like Chris Apito going away to showcase teams and you know, you're kind of scrambling, but you got to have more starting pitching just readily available if you, if you're going to have that wild card game and expect, you know, if they were to win that game and get to a five-game series with Wayne, like who are you going to throw at that point? It's just I don't know, it's just not a good look overall for the league, but regardless, in my opinion, the top 4 teams in the league are still alive, the top 4 seeds in the league are still alive. It was a 13 to 1 final for Springfield. I'll give a couple shout outs here. Andrew Cantwell was phenomenal. Five innings pitched, five shutout innings pitched, seven strikeouts. He did not have a single walk. He threw 60 strikes and 19 balls, just absolutely pinpoint location from him and that's that's his key to success. You know, he's a guy that has had a lot of success at the Division 2 level, but he doesn't throw that hard. Like don't get me wrong, he's a D2 arm and he'll have some velocity, but if he can paint the way he can, he'll drop in a 3-0 slider just to mess with you. And it's it's impressive to watch. He's, he gets hit around a little bit when he doesn't have that location, but he had that location today. As for the Springfield Bats, they had 12 hits. Every single guy in the order was producing two hits from Cole Powell, Sean Phelan, Gabe Encarnacion, Reed Farrell. Three, knock, uh, three runs knocked in from Sean Phelan. You know, just good offensive performance. And now that sets the stage for another matchup between Springfield and Upper Darby in the Delco League playoffs. That's the third straight year, 2020. Springfield won in, it was a best of three series in two games. Last year, Upper Darby won in three games. Now, here's the interesting thing. Do you know what the winning team in the last two Upper Darby and Springfield matchups have in common? That is right. I was on the team. Now, obviously, you know, they're going to be able to survive, but (laughs) I can't even do this with a straight face. It is true, though. I am 5-0 in my last five Springfield Upper Darby playoff games, but I, this should be a good series, and I think this is going to be the battle of you know good arms versus good bats because I think Upper Darby, their rotation is really, really talented, and we'll talk a little bit with Ben Thorpe about who some of their guys are, but Springfield, they have the potential to hit this type of pitching. They have a lot of really talented bats, you know, like we just mentioned, Jared Sweeney, D1. Sean Feeling, D1. Cole Powell's D1. Reed Farrell, going D1. Will Kelly may not be D1, man, but he he is a pest at the top of the order here. But the question from Springfield is going to be, do they have the pitching to withstand a potential deep series? Because realistically, they know in Springfield, you know, can they win the series? Absolutely. Are they going to win it in three games? Probably not. So that's going to be the test here. And with Upper Darby, the lineup is very, very similar to last year. If anything, it's gotten better. You know, I listen, I, I am very confident in my own ability to play baseball, but they, you know, they have seemed to have not skipped a beat in replacing me in the DH spot as well as some of the other spots in the order. And, you know, that was a lineup that won a Delco League championship last year. And now they have, you know, what I would argue is a lot deeper of a pitching staff than last year. There were times where we kind of had to scrape by a little bit, but um, I'm interested to see how this series goes. Unfortunately, I, I really won't be able to make much of it unless, you know, with our Wayne games, our series, good or bad, were to end before their series ends. So I'll kind of have to be following along there. But now 
we finally gotten to the weird crossroads where I, I am still a player on a team. I, I might be injured now for the season, but you know, I still have my allegiances. But I feel like I do a good enough job covering the league from an unbiased perspective. But you know, we have a couple other guys here that would love to share their thoughts from an unbiased perspective. So let's start off here. We'll go back to the first game we were talking about here. Just while we're on the topic of the Wayne baseball team here, we'll start off our first interview here. We'll give veteran Sean Mahon the first crack at the interview today. And we will welcome him on to break down this upcoming series with Wayne and Narberth. We're now joined by longtime Wayne outfielder and designated hitter, Sean Mahalan. Sean, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. Everything's going good. Ready for playoffs. Do it. Now, as a veteran in this league, how much have you been enjoying this bye week? Oh, it's always nice, dude. We always try to get this bye week, and it's all for the old guys like me now. It used to be for the old – like, I used to work for it to get for the other old guys, but now I'm the one that needs the break, man. It's all good for me. Now, our Wayne baseball team will be taking on the Narberth Mudcats in the Delco League semifinal. So, how are you feeling going into this matchup here? I feel good always. Like, I always feel good going in. I always feel like that we're the, you know, best team in the league every every time we play. And to be honest, I know that we're the, the veteran team going in. You know, Narberth's a bunch of young guys. To be honest, I think I know, like, two people on their roster total. And one's, you know, Tyler Keogh and the other one's uh, Joe Raver. I think, I think Joe Raver's playing. I don't even know if he's playing. So yeah, yeah, he closed out the uh, game against Aston. Yeah, I know he's coaching the one game. So like, I don't even know these guys, but being a veteran team, it's uh, it's really important. I always feel really good going in. You know. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So I got to see both the Narberth games, and like you said, it's almost like you're watching a college team because they're loud, they're cheering the whole time, and it's not like our guys don't care. It's just kind of a different atmosphere. That's what I'm saying. Like you got to see Upper Darby, like you were on Upper Darby last year, so you got to see kind of how they are. They're the young guys. Then you see us, like. We just kind of bust balls the entire game. Like, we don't really, like, get up and get loud and stuff like that. It's just all – it's kind of all business with – like, it looks like it's all business. But in the dugout, like, we're all jokes. Like, we don't even – like, that's the thing. Like, it's so different. So, they'll be – they'll be rah-rah. Like, they'll be loud and stuff like that. And we'll just kind of do what we need to do and go about our business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being at, you know, most of the games this year, I've talked a little bit about this team throughout the season. But can you talk a little bit about, like, who some of the top performers have been and who everyone should kind of look out for? I'll tell you who they should look out for is our third team All-American, Luke Mutt. He's going to hate that I said that. But, he's I mean, he's been the top of our lineup. He's been the best hitter on our team. He's my vote for MVP. Don't tell him I said that, but he's our my vote for MVP. He's been really good this year, and he starts off for us every single game. And then you just go down the lineup. We're, I'll tell you what the difference is between this year and last year. We're fast this year. Last year is a bunch of vets with bum hamstrings who couldn't make it up and down the field. This year – we're running, we're stealing bases, we're doing a lot, and it starts at the top, but it goes to the bottom, too. Our pitching's been really good. At the bottom of our lineup, we've been getting on base, and our veterans have been doing good, and that's really guided us this year. Yeah, I, I watch guys like Siani and, and Tharnish, and these guys running, and it, it would probably take me, you know, they could probably go to around the bases twice before I could get around once. Yeah, I don't even try. Uh, I wouldn't even try, but they go so fast. Like, Tharnish, I, I'm telling you, takes a base – I like look up and he's on second and I feel like I've got like a refrigerator on my back trying to run to second, like just praying my hamstring doesn't explode. Yeah. Now, now you've been around a lot of really talented ball clubs at Wayne in your time. So what do you see from like this specific team 
that makes you think you can go all the way? I think it's just kind of like the poise and stuff like that. Like everybody's kind of like really confident going in. Like last year, I didn't, it didn't feel the same. Like last year, I kind of felt like we were vulnerable. And this year, I feel like we're strong, you know, just top to bottom lineup wise. I feel like we get on base and we move guys over. We're doing good jobs, like getting guys over, doing the right stuff. And that's important. Like, like last year, we were trying to hit a bunch of home runs. And when we faced good pitching, we would get carved up and strike out a lot. We don't strike out a lot this year. I think we have more walks than strikeouts on the year, which is crazy for a summer team. So we get on base. We move it around. I think that's going to help us every time because we're constantly putting pressure on teams. Yeah, I think it's also really helped, you know, talking to just other coaches, other teams, like the fact that we've had like four consistent starters every single, you know, game for the entire season, I think is really going to pay off now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've got better depth this year, too. Last year, we were kind of that depth was kind of weak this year. We feel pretty strong in a bunch of positions, which is good. So, yeah. Now, most importantly, will we be seeing an appearance from Maggie Mahone at the semifinals? She'll be there. She'll be a game one. She'll be sitting in the shade. She'll be uh, cheering me on, hopefully. Hopefully, I do good in front of her. But, uh, yeah, seven weeks old. She's been great. It's been awesome. That's awesome. All right, man, we're looking forward to this series here. Anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap it up? Yeah, real quick. I'm just going to talk a little bit. Um, were you at the Marple-Springfield game? I was at game two. That was it. You were at game two where that kid pitched, right? Yeah, yeah. That, all right. I'm just going to say, I don't care who feelings hurt, whatever. 251 pitches in three days is fucking egregious. Sorry if I can't curse, but it, I, it has to, like, it's egregious. It's wrong. I need to get that off my chest. That is ridiculous. I cannot believe that happened. So I don't care who hears it. I don't care what the feelings. I don't really care. I don't care if you wanted the ball. I don't give a shit. 251 pitches for anybody in three days is criminal. That should never happen. It shouldn't happen in our league. It shouldn't happen anywhere. So, yeah, yeah especially for someone who's still in college. Like, there's a difference between, you know, gutting out, you know, performance and then something like that. It's crazy. I, I, I cannot believe that happened. I, I know they were trying to win. I don't care. Like, it would have been bad. And then what if they won? Was he just going to throw again against us? Like, what, was he going to turn it up to 400? I feel bad for the kid. Because I'm sure he's just like, I want to win, and that's great. But sometimes somebody's got to step up, especially when it's the president of the league. So I don't really care if he hears it or not, but the president of the league needs to step up and make the good choice for his team and that kid. Yeah, so. I, I understand. And, and well, the baseball gods punished them by making them suffer through that game three. Today. Goddamn right they did. They should have lost by 30. Yeah. So – no, no, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't disagree with you there. You know, he, he compared it to Johnny Gonzalez. The difference is Johnny is almost 50 and can make his own decisions. And Johnny threw 50 pitches one day and 50 the next, not 100 and 100. 130, 120, like it was crazy. 250 pitches. That is nuts. Yeah, hopefully so, we don't see anything like that again. I know Philly, I think Philly said something to him as well. We won't see it. We won't do it. We've never done it. I don't think we've had a pitcher throw over 100 pitches this year, and we probably won't. Because we just don't – it's just not how it works. It's summer baseball. We're not here to get people hurt. We would love to win a championship. I want to win that, that, that trophy so bad. I want that trophy at our golf outing so bad. But I will not throw somebody 250 pitches to get it. Never. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what number trophy would this be for you if you were taking home? This would be three. This would be three for me. I won in 19 and 20, lost in 18 and 16. 16? I lost twice, I think. I think I've lost. No, I lost it. I have no idea. I've been on the team for a while. So I started, I mean, I started playing in 2012 with Springfield. I've been in the Duck League for 10 years. So 
It's when been did, a while. When did you switch over from Springfield to Wayne? I switched actually from Springfield to Upper Darby. Oh, and okay. then to Wayne. Yeah, so I played for Springfield 2012, Upper Darby in 2013. I blew out my arm in 2014, took two seasons off. And then when Kevin was of age, he was going to go play for Feely because Feely had just taken over Wayne. And I'm like, I'm not going to drive to Upper Darby while Kevin drives to Wayne. Like, I see people do that. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I, uh, I was a role player for a while. I mean, I've always been a role player, but I was on the team from 2016 on. So I've been in a bunch of championships, and I just – I love winning them. You'll see at the golf outing, man, it's so fun. If we win, it's – you got Feely rides around with the trophy. People don't understand. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's funny. It's the same route. I went from Springfield to Upper Darby to Wayne as well. And I'm yeah. just out there. If we're to win this year, I'll be the only member of the league with an active two-peat going, just saying. That's right. That's right. It's nice to be – winning two in a row is always awesome. Whether you're on the same team or a different team, it's always nice just holding that trophy. Yeah. That's bowl every year. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again, man, for joining the show. And uh, good luck in uh, getting this started on Monday. Yep. No problem. Thanks, man. Yep. Take care. Bye. Apologies here for the audio quality on the interview parts of the show. I've been having some issues with using the microphone on Zoom calls. Some people haven't been able to hear me very well. So still working out that issue. But for right now, just been using the computer audio. But I kind of have the mentality, you know, it's Delco League. It's, it's, you know, if you can get it done in whatever way you can get it done, it'll work, you know, just whatever it takes. But we got our second half of this double feature interview. We'll head to the other side of the bracket. Talk a little bit about my alma mater, if you want to put it like that, the Upper Darby Blue Sox. We will welcome on relief pitcher Ben Thorpe. All right, we are now joined by Upper Darby pitcher Ben Thorpe. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Not too bad, not at all. All right, now you and the defending champion Upper Darby Blue Sox will be taking on the Springfield Colonials for the third straight year in the playoffs. So how are you guys feeling in that clubhouse right now? I think we feel pretty good. Obviously, there's been um, a lot of recent history with them just the past three years with going at it in the playoffs. Um, they're a really good team, and I think it's going to be a really fun series just to even play in and watch. Um but I, I think we feel confident. I think we've we got a really good team together, and I think we have a really good shot of winning the series and go, even going on and trying to defend our title. Now, with the core of the Upper Darby Blue Sox, there's a lot of guys from last year obviously still there, but there are a lot of new guys here as well. So can you talk about some of the new additions to the team and kind of what they provided? Yeah, I'm, we've gotten definitely a few new faces. Um, mostly, I would say, on the pitching front. You know, we got a lot of uh, – Got Mike Costello, um, Johnny Fitzpatrick. They both have come in and done a really good job. Um, and then we've added a couple more arms later on to uh, Tommy Kent, especially. I've seen him a couple, and you've seen him too in the Wayne games. He's been incredible. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of those new guys on the pitching front. Um, and then uh, I guess Adam in the outfield too has been great. We have a lot of just a lot of really good additions and they've definitely stepped up a lot for us. 
Yeah, no, you're definitely right that the lineup itself overall is pretty similar. I remember the first game that we played you guys at Devon Prep. I, I honestly think the entire lineup was the same, but I wasn't the DH, which is kind of funny for me. That's Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Yeah, no, overall, it's, it's definitely similar. But the thing I love about UD is the veteran leadership on the team. So whether that be like Joey Supa, Johnny Gonzalez, and even Dave Jordan. So how do you feel like that's helped you guys throughout this year defending the title? Um, I think just kind of seeing them go out and do what they do every day. And it also helps a lot that they're very like easygoing guys. So sometimes, especially if you're younger, I know like in my personal experience, like coming up out of high school and like playing for Upper Darby, I'd be a little bit nervous, but it definitely helps to have those older guys who have done a lot and a little bit like easier going. And it kind of helps you play a little bit looser. And I think they've gone a long, long way to like really help us kind of just play loose and just play our game and do really good and just do a really good job at everything. Um, and they definitely, I mean, obviously led by example the whole way too. Yeah. I mean, Joey super could go four for four or over four and you wouldn't even know after the game. Not at all. <laughs> all right, so this team is coming off their first title in franchise history last year that of course we were both blessed to be a part of. And do you feel like the hunger to hold that trophy has cooled off or is it even stronger this year now that we've tasted it? I think it's even stronger. I think once you get it once, you know, now we kind of have the target on our back. So that's even like a little bit more of motivation. Um, but yeah, definitely getting it once. I think we all want to kind of see that again and get to experience that again. Cause it was just such a fun, fun experience the first time. Now for you personally, because obviously you played on this team a long time and you know, you had to watch from the dugout last season with the arm injury. So what would it mean to you to be able to, you know, be a part of one and be able to participate in winning a championship? Yeah. I mean, Honestly, last year, I was just happy to be along for the ride. I mean, that was they let me come in and do the game changer, just kind of hang out. And that was that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I would it's it would be really cool to actually kind of get in and be able to contribute and actually get out there and help out as opposed to, you know, sitting there from the dugout cheering on. So it would definitely mean a lot. I mean, I was obviously happy that we won last year and I think I'll be just as happy again. Um, but now, knowing that now I'm able to contribute would be uh, that would that's definitely like gives it gives the games a little bit more meaning for me. Now, is the arm back to feeling like 100 percent or are you just kind of working with what you got? Um, eh, uh, working with what I got a little bit. Um, It's back to I would say like I can throw it 100 percent, but can't really do it for a long time. That's been the this whole stamina part of it's definitely been a little bit of a struggle. Um, but it's, it's getting there. So you've kind of made that transition from starting pitcher to relief pitcher. And, and it seems like it's been working out so far for you. Yeah. Yeah. And in college throughout, I, I was a reliever. I never even really had an opportunity to start. So it's almost like getting back into my comfort zone at this point. Like I'm almost more comfortable as a reliever and kind of getting tapped like, Hey, go get hot and, having to get out there, rip a couple of pitches and go out. Like that's almost more of what I'm used to than having the time to start and planning out everything like that. Yeah, that's understandable. All right. So tell me a little about what you know with this Springfield colonial team with uh, Ben Mutz and the boys. Oh my goodness. <laughs> nah, there's, I, listen, I know they're a good team. Obviously you got that core UPenn guys that are just going to be a problem as always, but I mean, it's it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be a four or five game, just 
tight down to the wire. And you know, whoever gets the bounces is probably going to be the one coming out on top. Um, but I'm really excited. Excited to see Ben out there. Hopefully he gets the pitch a little bit. That would be that would be a fun little matchup. Um yeah. but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be that'll be cool. Um but yeah, I, I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be really good baseball. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to make any games as long as Wayne's still playing, but I wish you the best of luck. And if we do end up seeing you guys in the finals, I'm sure it'll be a classic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks for taking the time to come on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you again to Sean Mahalan and Ben Thorpe for taking the time to come on the show. Once again, apologies for the sound quality of the interview. You know, it, it was still able to come out all right, and we had some good conversations here. Still working out the kinks. Once I get back to school at Penn State, there's a very nice studio that I'll get to use a little more often, so I'm looking forward to that. But we've got two big series coming up here, I believe. So I know the schedule for Wayne and Narva series, as long as it doesn't rain, will be Monday at Devon Prep, Tuesday at Devon Prep, Wednesday, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be back at the Narberth Playground, but it'll either be at the Narberth Playground or Bonner. There's a game four. There will be a day off Thursday, so game four will be Friday night at whatever Narberth field, uh, whether it's the Playground or Bonner, and then game five, if necessary, would be Saturday at Devon Prep. Now, I don't know for a fact, but I remember talking to Nick DeCombe, and he wanted to have the semis going at the same time, so I'm going to imagine the schedule for that series will go as followed with Monday at O'Hara, Tuesday at O'Hara, Wednesday at Church Road, again that day off Thursday, Friday at Church Road if necessary, and Game 5 if necessary, Saturday at O'Hara. Alright, that's all I got for you guys this week. I will most likely just wait until both series wrap up, just for confusion's sake, and just be able to break down the whole series and have some more interviews with players or coaches from the two teams advancing to uh, I believe it is the 114th Delco League final starting at, at 1908. I think maybe a year or two off, but 114th year, put it like that. And the deciding question, it, it'll be the first title. We'll start in order from the top. Wayne won their last title in 2020. Narberth won their last title in 2018. Upper Darby, of course, won last year. That was their last title in Springfield. It's been since 1999. So a lot of familiar faces here. To see who will hold up the Charlie Crest Trophy. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.